Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to Get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 140 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 37 through 41, where Kurama is invited to a painting party, sometimes plants grow best inside your own body, and Yusuke's new best friend punches you with tornadoes. He punches you with tornadoes. He uses tornado fists. And that's all I have to say about tornado fists. Other than, you know, eventually there's going to be a movie made about it where a guy in an old pickup truck is going to chase after tornado fists. And then there's going to be a love story. It's going to be a whole thing, you guys. Let's Sounds great. Let's dump it. I was making reference to one of the original classics, Twister, a very dumb movie, and I watched a I watched a breakdown of this movie recently where they were talking about how truly insane and stupid this movie looks when you look back at it now. And I was just like, oh man, it's just it's just so stupid. <laughs> so I uh I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but that was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And it was one of those, you know, when you're a kid. You have, I don't know if this is true for kids nowadays because streaming is such a different beast. But when when I was a kid and probably Spencer, when you were a kid, we had like a collection of movies and television shows, maybe that we would watch all the time. And we loved them. And then there was also a list of movies or TV shows that we did not have access to, but our friends had access to. And every time we hung out with those friends, we were like, I hope I watch that thing because I love that thing. And I only get to see it when I'm with them because I don't own it myself. And for me as a kid, Twister was one of those things. I loved Twister and uh, my friends had it, but I never did. And then as an adult, I bought the DVD and I own it to this day, although I have not watched it for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, uh, in, in anime news of the week, uh, I know some people have tuned in to our Monday episodes, and I have talked about how much I love Chainsaw Man, and Chainsaw Man has two big announcements this week. One is that part two of the manga is going to be coming out, and then the anime adaptation is being done by Studio Mappa, and I am so in. Like, so in. Mappa does good work, man. So yeah. I'm I'm very very excited that they are going to be the ones to do the adaptation of a truly great new manga. Yeah, I think as you and I become more versed in anime, we're starting to know studios by name more, and uh, we have developed a, a studio that we don't like, and uh, this is not that studio. So we're pretty happy about this news. Um, I would say also to the Chainsaw Man thing, like we've been getting good uh, interaction from people. Um, we have a, a nice stable of some regular chatters on our Discord. So if you're not on the Discord and you want a place to talk about anime and manga, um, this is, that's a really good place. There's a lot of discussion that springs up around our episodes each week, but there are also discussions that spring up around the shows and manga that our um, our current Discord users are consuming. And so you might hear about things that you're not going to hear about on our show there, and you'll have a place to discuss it with people. It's really fun. And I know 
for me, I saw this Chainsaw, New- Chainsaw Man news on our Discord because one of our listeners posted it. Yeah, that's uh, I I saw it. I saw it there, and then I saw a truly amazing meme where somebody was just like, you know, getting more and more excited by each new announcement that was coming out, and <laughs> I was I was so excited about it. Um, I I honestly might be more excited that there's going to be more of the manga coming out and not the anime adaptation, but that's that's mostly because I I think that the manga is truly like one of those new ones. Now, if I can just get like uh, the the uh, the the uh, Kai, what is it? God, why can't I think of the name of it? What's it's happening? number eight. God, um, kaiju number eight as oh, yeah. an anime adaptation. We can get like the trifecta of goodness. Yeah, I, I just, I just know that kaiju number eight is going to get one of those like cell shaded 3D anime adaptations, and Ugh. I'm going to be annoyed by that. But what, why, what I want is for it to be like One Punch Man, My Hero Academia, like high quality goodness. Um, yeah yeah the the cell shade 3d is cool but it's not there yet you know and we're going to talk more about that on our monday episode because i've actually watched all the stuff for our monday episode already in a rare twist and i have thoughts (laughs) (laughs) well with all that being said i'm i'm ready to get into the rest of some more dark tournament arc yeah i think so Um, my only anime news is monday stuff so i can't talk about it here Anyways, oh, but, well, let's go uh, ahead. There's also people that are listening to the show now. I, I talked to a friend in real life that uh, has listened to our show previously, but isn't like a, a constant listener. And uh, we were talking to, to each other. And I think the big thing for her is that she's less interested in Shonen specifically. And I was like, hey, we have a new Monday show that does previews and stuff. It's not all Shonen. It's five recommendations a week. And she was like, I'm going to listen to those. So uh, you're not going to hear it if you are a Monday only listener, but there are, I think, Monday only listeners nowadays, and that's cool, too. Yeah. Well, um, with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump in and talk about what happened previously on what's the show again? Oh, yeah. Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> <laughs> Just this little ditty called Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, so Yu Yu Hakusho is about a guy named Yusuke Urameshi. He is, I think, a high schooler, maybe a middle schooler. Sometimes it's hard to tell when you're watching anime. Uh, Yusuke is one of those kids who is kind of, uh, rowdy, a little, gets into lots of fights is maybe not the best at school and is just generally thought to be kind of like a bad egg. Uh, so in the very first little minutes of the show, a young child chases a ball out into a street and is about to be hit and killed by a truck. Yusuke jumps in front of the truck, pushing the kid out of the way and being killed instead. Uh, because of this unexpected selfless act, the underworld doesn't know what to do with him. They don't know where he's supposed to go. And so they're like, well, since you are surprisingly good natured, we will give you the opportunity to come back to life through a series of challenges. Uh, Yusuke eventually makes it through those challenges and is granted the ability to come back to life, at which point he discovers that he can see spirits, demons and the like. He also starts to develop spiritual power and is tasked to become the spirit detective, the detective in charge of things in the human world and sometimes in the spirit world on behalf of the uh, spirit king Enma and his emissary Koenma. Uh, Koenma tasks him with his all emissary these. Emissary or his son. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's both. Uh, Koenma tasks him with all- in the spirit world, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so Koenma tasks him with all these different missions uh, over the course of which he makes friends with his school rival, Kuwabara, 
who also happens to have a natural affinities for spiritual things. It has a greater ability to sense spiritual powers and stuff like that than Yusuke does, and eventually develops the ability to uh, pull forth his spirit energy in the form of a straight-up lightsaber. Uh, they then make sort of friends or frenemies, depending on how you look at it, with two demons. One is a cool guy named Karama, who is actually a half-demon, and who is very good-hearted, largely because of his human upbringing. He uses... Uh, demonic plants to fight this most often manifests itself as in a whip that is like a thorny vine that he calls a rose whip but he can also do other things and then there's he who is your super fast vegeta type and he also has this ability called the black flame dragon that is kind of like summoning a horrible fire demon to shoot at someone and uh, because it's not really his technique so much as like a summoning thing He's not immune to it, so Hiei was recently injured when he resorted to the Black Flame Dragon to win a fight, and now his arm is out of commish. There's uh, also one final character you need to know on the Yusuke Yurameshi team, and that is definitely not Genkai. There is a woman, uh, so there's this woman named Genkai who is a a great spiritual ability master. She trained Yusuke uh, in the past a couple of times. Uh, including right before the tournament that the heroes are currently in. Then they needed a fifth member for their team in said tournament. And so a woman at the same height and same clothes and with the same voice actor using the same inflection has shown up to battle as the mysterious masked fighter. Because other other than being exactly like Genkai, the only change is that her face is covered. Uh, Her face was uncovered recently and it is actually not Genkai's face. It looks a lot like a younger Genkai with a different hair color, so I still think it's probably Genkai using some spiritual magic to look younger and slightly different for reasons. But uh, we don't know. Maybe it's not. Whatever. Anyway, the whole point of this is that they are now involved in something called a dark tournament, which is basically gladiatorial conquests between mostly demons in teams of five fighting for the pleasure of other demons who are there to enjoy the carnage and some really horrible rich dudes who are there to make money betting off of who's going to win in this, you know, murder contest. Yusuke was drawn into this. All of his uh, friends have come with him to form a five-man team. They have fought through several rounds already, and they are going to start and almost finish another round in today's episodes where we pick up with episode 37. Yeah, episode 37 is called Master of Disguise, not to be confused with that terrible, terrible movie by the same name. Yeah, uh, I thought this of that episode, too. Turtle. Yeah, this, epi- <laughs> this episode is going to pick up with um, a fun, stupid thing that happens at the very beginning, which is that um, Hiei and not Ginkai um, are going to be trapped in a stupid tent by a stupid character um, that is like, I'm going to trap you in here so that you can't fight, but also I'm ruling you not able to fight because of medicine. And yeah. also uh, this thing that I'm trapped you inside for some reason heals Hiei. So that also happens. Oh yeah. There's <laughs> like, a lot, there's a lot going on and that's unintentional, but yeah, this is uh one of the things I was thinking while I was watching the, the episodes this week is I was like, the dark tournament arc is long. We have been covering yeah. it for a while. We are not done. Uh, I don't know by how much of a long shot, but we've got at least two more episodes of Yu Yu Hakusho. And that is probably a gross misunderstanding uh, of how long it's going to take. 
Um, and I was just thinking of the concept of a tournament arc in general, which comes up a lot in, in Shonen battle manga, because that's, you know, it's fun. It lets you do the fights without a lot of muss or fuss. But the thing is a lot of tournament arcs can lose the muss and fuss entirely. And then it's like, there's no story. It's just lurching from one fight to another. And I would argue that Yu Yu Hakusho is lurching from one fight to another, but the author is creative enough that he is able to put the heroes in different scenarios so that the fights don't feel like just another fight. They feel Mm -hmm. like this fight is the fight where Hiei and definitely not Genkai are locked behind, you know, a a magical energy barrier. Um, The other thing is, so this woman traps them by posing as a nurse. And uh, then it turns out she's just luring them into a nurse's tent where she can trap them with their energy. But what we're going to learn over the course of these episodes is that these rich dudes betting on the tournament are throwing the game. So this woman trapped them in a tent because she was paid to by somebody who has bet against Yusuke's team. And the announcements that are sort of um, updating or clarifying rules on the fly indicate that now that they are trapped and indeed that they have been, you know, deemed injured by this nominal nurse, they are out of the next round by default. So they are not allowed to participate. And that is, that's a really unfair ruling, but it happens because this guy is pulling the strings to stack the deck against Yusuke. So they're going to have to start this next round with three of their five teammates instead of all five. And one of those remaining three Kuwabara is so injured that he cannot stand. Yeah, it's really it's really them trying to stack the deck in a crazy way, but it it, it leads to a really cool sequence of things that happen. Um, okay, so uh, the first fight that happens is Karama versus Gama, um, and Gama has a really cool ability. Um, Gama has this uh, ability to use makeup, um, and that sounds dumb, but also um, it's a it's an ability that um, he talks about having some like real shade at the human race who's just like they put on makeup because they think it looks good on them um i used makeup so that i can use it for like incantations and spells um and the first thing that he does is he paints his face and he paints his body with like war paint um it looks like it it is makeup but it looks like war paint um and it like i get the impression spiritual ability I get the impression that it's makeup because it's going on a human body and not because it's like what you would find at the makeup counter. Like it is much more akin to paint, uh, but it, it's, you know, it's makeup because it's being applied to the face and body, I guess. Um, yeah. But what's so I like cool. That he keeps his, I like that he keeps his brushes and like holsters, like their swords too. Oh yeah. This it's, guy, it's just, this guy is so ready to jump into an episode of Naruto and he, it's just, it's a shame that he doesn't get there because he's like painting seals on people essentially, which oh, yeah, in, he... in Naruto, they have seal painted scrolls that allow them to use techniques and summon things like this feels very proto Naruto in a specific way. 
Yeah, so Gama is going to use his first set of abilities on Karama to lock uh, each one of his uh, each one of his appendages so that he can no longer move correctly. Um, he traps down his arms and his legs so that he it's it's an ability that it goes through your clothing and onto your skin, and it creates an invisible weight that holds you down. And so Karama seems like he's frozen in place, but as as Gama comes in to do the, the final blow, Karama reveals that he can also um, eject his rose whip from the bi- back of his hair. Oh, he whips he his hair back and to, forth. Yeah, he cuts Gama into basically little pieces until Gama is bleeding profusely from lots of places on his body. Um, he is horribly, horribly wounded, um, but the last thing that he is going to do before he dies is he's going to bleed all over Karama, and the reason he does this is so that his death will not be in vain, and his uh, he reveals that his blood is the thing that turns into paint and creates these seals, and the way that he bled on Karama as he was dying created a seal that sealed in Karama's powers. It's yeah, a this really, is- really cool sequence. Yeah, it's going to it's going to end up being a relevant kind of thought process in the next fight. So I want to make sure that it's like super clear to everybody listening. So basically, Gama is like my power, my spiritual power is to seal you using this this makeup, this paint. And the, that power comes from my blood because, you know. It's my power and my blood is kind of my life force and spiritual power is kind of my life force is is kind of how I'm interpreting it. And so he actually Mm -hmm. literally mixes little bits of his blood into the paint to give it these spiritual attributes and kind of tie it to his ability. Um, So this is sort of a new concept. We know that people have spiritual power and we know, obviously this is a really common in Shonen battle anime that like there is some, some energy force of spiritual power or what have you that kind of comes from within and that can be drawn out in a sort of amorphous life energy way. This is that, but uh, now it has been specified to be directly tied to blood. Um, Not, not sure if they're saying that that's where it comes from or if that's just where it flows or whatever, but um, that's going to be really important in episode 38. Yeah. Episode 38 is called Karama Stand, and Karama is, uh, he is still being forced to stay inside of the arena, and now he has to fight against a new character named Toya, and Toya has a incredibly cool ability that he can use, uh, like ice blasts, um, as well as create an ice sword so that he can fight with it, um, and he is not going to fall for Karama's, uh, tricks and get really close to him, and Instead, he is going to create these balls of uh, these balls of ice and then shoot out little tiny uh, blades of ice like razor blades. It's kind of like icicle uh, needles. Yeah, there's also a go- a really cool back and forth where Karama is talking to himself about having having to realize that he's like I, I have to get out of these uh, bindings somehow, but they should wear off now that he's dead. But it's gonna take some time. And Toya knows this, and Toya is just like uh, I know you're stalling, so let's be- go ahead and begin. And Karama's just like you know that I'm stalling, so let's begin. And he's just like stop stalling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, we didn't mention earlier, but the team they're fighting about. Against is a group of ninja, and they don't seem like bad dudes necessarily. 
Some more than others, but... Uh, yeah, they're mercenaries, apparently. They, yeah. They've been doing the bidding of people that pay them, or demons or people that pay them enough money in order for them to do jobs. So yeah. they are really like the, you know, the ninjas inside of the Naruto universe. That they are. Just are. Like, they're paid to do stuff. Yeah, and some of these characters are genuinely, like, they seem like good people. Like, Gama was kind of a dick. Toya seems kind of cool. Also, I fucking love his design. Oh and yeah, Toya's design is really cool. So good, like top tier. And then uh but it's their whole deal is that like they've been working as mercenary ninjas for so long, but like their their life as ninjas has led had has led them to have to live a life in the shadows, and they basically have nowhere that they can like comfortably lay their head. And so whoever wins the dark tournament gets a, a wish or some shit, I don't remember, but basically their their deal is that if they win they will inherit the island on which the dark tournament takes place to use as their home. And so they're they're really sympathetic because they are looking for a place to live. And some of them jettison that sympathy immediately by being horrible. But I would say Toya and another character we'll come talk, up later. We'll talk about Buck in, in just a minute. He's, well, not, he's the worst. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> but uh, Toya and then a, a, a guy named Jin uh, are very sympathetic characters, I think. Yeah. Okay. So Toya is uh, is fighting against Kurama. Kurama realizes that the uh, the bindings on his legs and arms has worn off to enough enough to where he can run around. He is, so he is able to dodge, but he is still not able to use his other abilities because they've been sealed. Um, the only thing that uh, Kurama can figure out though is that as he's being cut, he can feel a little bit of his spiritual energy uh, able to be used again, and so uh, Kurama makes the uh, decision that he is going to be hit by some of these flying ice blades and let himself get cut and the reason why he's doing this is so that he can start to use his ability and he realizes that he he really needs to use a lot of his ability that's sealed inside of him and so what he does and this is just a badass moment so Toya starts fighting with his ice blade he gets too close to Kurama and uh, Kurama who had been cut by the ice blade uh, just a minute ago had stuffed some of the demon seed inside of his own arm yeah, I think in the order for calls that it the death plant yeah the death plant which and, he used to win um, a fight recently so go back and listen to our recent episodes <laughs> Yeah, so he uses his own energy that's sealed inside of him through this death plant that is now inside of him as well to create a like plant blade that stabs into Toya, who gets too close, and he basically falls on to the plant sword, and uh, and Karama has caught him in his trap because Toya was just like, well, he hasn't had enough time to regenerate his ability, so he can't use any of his abilities, so I'm going to be able to catch him. It's a really cool moment. It is a... Um, these these episodes have a, a good fight sequences, but at, in much in the way that Yu Yu Hakusho has done this before, they are single episode fights that happen so fast that um, it, it kind of reminds you of fights in real life, where like they they seem really cool when you break them down, but in reality they're just like a, you know a couple of sequences of hits. But if people are fighting to the death, like if you make a wrong move you're screwed yeah that's a really interesting point i hadn't thought of it that way i i usually think of it more in relation to like other anime you know like naruto or bleach or or dragon ball where the fights are are drawn out affairs um often 
in a really nice way. Like, you know, a lot of the times when a, a fight is that cool, you want to live in it for a little while. And I, I would say Naruto sometimes, although there are some definite notable examples like Lee versus Gara, but like uh, Bleach, I think is really good at that. At like really like let's dig into this battle and just like savor how cool this is before it comes to a conclusion. And Yu Yu mm. Hakusho has, I think a different philosophy that works really well and it's instead of instead of like dragging out the enjoyment of each individual fight, where you're just gonna throw it at you. And everything here is really well paced. This is not to say that like Bleach or whatever isn't isn't well paced. It it depends. But you know, Yu Yu Hakusho has been consistently good, well paced because of how fast paced it is. And it just it's just like here is the story, and we will take enough time to give this story weight. And to let our characters live in the story, but not so much time that we're just spinning our wheels or that we're wasting time here. Um, And I think a lot of anime fall into that trap. And then, you know, a lot of anime, rather than falling into a trap, can choose to savor it. Whereas Yu Yu Hakusho is like, instead of doing that, we're just going to press forward. And your excitement about this thing will just be translated into your excitement for the next thing. Yeah, and it takes us into the next episode, episode 39, Crushing Revenge. Um, Bakken, the other character who we talked about before, who is really obnoxious. Yeah, he um, he is He comes into the ring and he starts a fight with Kurama before Kurama can leave. Kurama is very, very injured. He's um, comatose. Not just because he, he, took, he took multiple hits, but... He also had to put the death plant in his own body, and it is one of those things where, like, he can use it, but it is going to hurt him almost to the death. Um, And so when Bakken comes in, he's just going to beat the dead body or seemingly dead body of Kurama until um, Kurama is almost actually dead. Um, But right before uh, he lands a final blow, um, Bakken is told that he needs to stop what he's doing and set him out of the ring and finish this off um, because he points out that he's like, well, you can do what you want to do, but Yusuke doesn't seem to care about the tournament as much as he cares about his friend, and he is about to shoot you point blank in the back and you will not survive it if you get shot. <laughs> yeah, this is so cool. Uh, this is just, it's such a great sequence of events because like it, what, when Bakken wants to start beating on Kurama, they're like the announcer, so there's this announcer lady who is a, a sort of a constant during the dark tournament arc and is a pretty charming character. Um, and she's she is the girl in the arena watching the events from close up and sort of commenting on them. She's also the one who gives you the 10 count if you are knocked down and presumed unconscious or if you're knocked out of the arena. And so she is she's sort of facilitating the the overall rules of who is going to be victorious. And one thing with the tournament that's really interesting is that it's not like it's not all one on one fights. It has mostly been that. But generally speaking, the tournament, each time a a five man team comes up against another one, their team captains agree to terms on how they're going to fight each other and what the round Mm. is going to be like and what is going to constitute a victory. And so this woman's involved in that. And then she, she kind of calls it based upon those agreed upon rules. And so she, when Bakken comes in the tournament, she is like Kurama is not able he is unconscious. He's unconscious on his feet because he has been so injured in the past two fights that he just went through And now he has this death plant growing in his body. And the whole deal with the death plant is that it will kill you by growing. 
And so he's he's not in a great place. And Bakken wants to beat up on him and Yusuke objects. And Yusuke is the team leader. And so she, the the announcer lady, is like, okay, well, um, Yusuke, it, as the team leader, is kind of calling that his his ally is not able to battle. And then the announcer comes on again. And this, we haven't had it revealed to us yet if you're watching these episodes at home. But what, what we will come to find is that the announcer is being paid off by one of these rich dudes who has voted against, or his uh, bet against Yusuke's team. And the announcer says that because Karama is still in the ring, and that has previously been established as a, a sort of deciding factor of who will be doing the fighting, he is still in the ring. He's still on his feet. And even though it's because he's unconscious, he is not able to basically consent to being taken out or consent to surrendering or losing the battle. And so through this sort of backflip technicality, they are going to rule that it is Karama's fight and he must actively lose it by being incapacitated or knocked out of the ring. And Yusuke can't step in to help or he would be breaking the rules. And this is just them using the sort of bureaucracy of it all against our heroes. And then yeah. Bak- that's what allows Bakken to go on his rampage. So Yusuke is about to attack and that's what causes Bakken to call off of his rampage because Yusuke is ready to jettison the rules. And in fact, Hiei is about to attack as well. And this is when we find that Hiei is getting better because whatever energy is keeping him trapped in this nurse's tent also happens to be an energy that his body can like metabolize to heal himself, essentially, which is awfully yeah. convenient. Yeah, for real. Okay, so the uh, the fight is eventually called um, Bakken wins uh, by, you know, idiocy default um, yeah. and cheating, obviously. Um, and Yusuke steps into the ring to just curb stomp Bakken. Bakken first is going to use his super dumb ability, which is sweat, 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 then turn your sweat into so much fog that it fills up the entire arena. Yeah, and this they, sounds disgusting. They, they play a bunch of jokes on this where they're just like, this is a gross thing and it smells stinky in here now. And I'm just like, yeah, it's it's super sweaty. This guy sweated so much that it filled up the entire arena with fog. Yeah, he um, has Bakken, the locker room ability. Yeah. Um, so Bakken is able to jump around and punch into Yusuke a couple of times. Uh, Yusuke is going to kind of laugh this off because he's like, your punches are so soft that it doesn't really hurt me. Um, Bakken gets pretty annoyed by this, but Yusuke is going to shoot his spirit gun into the side of the building, blowing a giant hole in the side of the building and getting like splash damage on Bakken, as well as knocking away all of the mist out of the arena. And then he he just puts on a clinic. Um, he is just <laughs> going to beat the Christ out of Bakken um, to the point where they do that thing where they show you the bones being systematically broken inside of Bakken's body. Oh, yeah. Um, he's going to like throw up blood and then be beaten almost to death and thrown out of the ring. And Yusuke is just like, get out of here and stay out of here. <laughs> It's great. They the also the bones breaking thing is sort of like a stylized close up of the relevant parts of a human skeleton. Uh so it is sort of muted because it doesn't it's not it's not like Mortal Kombat where they like zoom in and show you the bones breaking right then and there. It's sort of it's almost like a like a a picture of a skeleton and then they just sort of like shatter the bones with a cracking noise. 
but it is mm-hmm. e- even with that amount of like artistic blunting of these hits, it is so visceral that I felt my stomach turn at one point while I was watching yeah. this. But it's also it it is one of those sort of like darkly righteous justice moments where you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is horrible. But it is crushing revenge, it. Blake. It's yeah, crushing <laughs> revenge. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, Bakken being out uh, leads into Jen, our uh, our Irish Steppen, um, who is voice. going to come Did, in. He was, they've made some choices about voice actors <laughs> using accents. <laughs> uh, there were times where I was like, I'm not going to put the subtitles on, but I did not know what he said. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Jen is going to get into a fight with Yusuke. Jen in uh, episode 40, Jen, the Windmaster, um, is going to, number one, show that he is just charming as hell. Yeah. Um, he He's is, actually he secretly a Studio so Ghibli fun. character. Yeah, he's going to... The first thing that he is going to do, by the way, is not start a fight with Yusuke. Instead, he's just going to fly around and just be like, I'm going to straight up Peter Pan my way through everything, and I can fly, I can fly, I can fly. It's really really nice the first... Like, the second... The first time he does it, he flies straight up, and the reason is so that he can get a look out at the island as a whole and marvel at this beautiful prize that he is fighting for. And at the end of that, he's like, I'm sorry, Yusuke, because they've made immediate best friends, just like the yes. Australian dude with the knife <laughs> from earlier. So like, Yusuke turns out like, if you have an accent, you will become best friends <laughs> with uh, Yusuke. Yusuke is like one of those, one of those like really, um, really, I guess like I, they're mostly dumb Americans who are just like, if this person has an accent, they're a hundred thousand percent more sexy than if they didn't have an accent. And Yusuke is like that, but with friends. I think, I think <laughs> non-American people do that also, but, uh, probably to lesser extents. I would, I would, I would not be surprised if that's the case, <laughs> but, you know, Americans can also do it with other accents from America. So it's not always like reverse xenophobe sexualization yeah anyways uh jen is going to show off that he has a couple of different abilities um his first ability is that he can spin his arms super fast until they create a whirlwind around them and when he punches into things the whirlwind explodes and makes a big giant hole in whatever he hits um yusuke is just like okay i need to shoot him um but he's flying around and he's really fast so i can't shoot him so i'm going to try to punch him really fast and jen is going to be able to block some of those punches and then fly away before you Yusuke can land another one. So Yusuke yeah, is just fight. like, okay, I'll use my spirit gun. Have you seen 21 Jump Street? It's kind of like uh, after they go on the car chase, then they get back and uh, Jonah Hill is being Peter Pan and then Channing Tatum comes in and starts ta- trying to tackle him, but the crew is like allowing Jonah Hill to fly out of his reach. <laughs> so that's basically... Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's just the same. Yusuke's 21 thing. Jump Street here. Yeah, um, but Jin is going to fly up, and Yusuke decides to shoot a spirit gun at him, but Jin shows off that he can use a whirlwind that flies around his body in order to deflect the spirit gun that's coming at him. And so, um, Yusuke is at a, um, he is at an impasse where he's just like, I don't know if I can do anything about this. Um, and so, when Jin comes in the next time, he's just like, you know what I'll do? And so, he fires his spirit gun into Jin's hand as it comes 
comes in to punch him, creating an explosion. And the only reason it doesn't kill both of them is because Jen was able to push it with air pressure up. And so most of the explosion went up and out. And after that, they remark on it. Hiei is just like, you idiot. You could have just killed yourself and Jen. But at the end of this, we would have been screwed because we wouldn't have had anyone else to fight, you yeah. idiot. <laughs> it's kind of great because Jen actually saved both of their lives yes it's just this is this is just one of those things that makes you yu Hakusho so good is it just has these little moments where there's a little extra spice added <laughs> to your dish yeah um and so the final thing that is going to happen actually takes us into the next episode which is that uh yusuke goes into a stance that we've never seen before not genkai definitely not genkai is gonna no. be like oh this looks like the spirit wave technique mm-hmm. and you know yusuke genkai's specialty technique <laughs> yeah and yusuke has been training for a long time but he's probably not going to be able to use this technique because he never he never was able to master it while he was in training well Let's go to episode 41, Reverse Decisions, where uh, Jin comes down with a double punch uh, to try to get Yusuke, um, but uh, Yusuke reveals that he actually can use the spirit wave technique. It is a cool sequence where he is able to catch and use the spirit wave to knock away the tornado. He is able to do this with a second one, and then he lands a devastating uh, third spirit wave into the center of Jin, which throws Jin into the crowd and there is a great moment where Jen stands up and Yusuke looks at him and Yusuke is just like stay out there please stay out there I don't want to keep on using this technique on you I'm worried it's going to hurt you and I'm almost out of energy and Jen stands up and he's just like I can fight and then he's just like I can't fight and he falls down and it's yeah, great and it's, it's so good it's just We're, it's just a, a beautiful fight sequence it's great. The, these are all good and they all flow one into the other. And in fact, we'll flow into another one here in a second that will leave us on a cliffhanger, unfortunately. But uh, it's hard. It's actually it's really hard to pick these episodes because almost all of the episodes have a self-contained story that leads into the next one. So like the the sort of tease for what's going to happen next time happens in the last five minutes of the preceding episode, which is a really good technique to keep you watching and to keep you excited. And it's tough when you're trying to break it up into nice little bite-sized story chunks for your podcast. So uh, before we get into the last little section of the episode, I wanted to point out that um, the spirit wave is described a little bit by the the narrator here. So we know Yusuke has his spirit gun technique and they're going to point out the main difference is the spirit gun focuses all of your spirit energy in a single point and fires it as a projectile. It's really hard to dodge, and it's devastating if it hits you, uh, whereas the spirit wave focuses your energy throughout your body. And so it allows yeah. you, in Yusuke's case, it, it allows him to supercharge his punches and kicks, um, but it also, I think you're able to like blast the spirit wave, but instead of spirit gun, it would be a, a wider, less damaging, easier to dodge blast, but you can also use it to just like charge yourself and your, you know, your speed and your strength. Yeah, and it's a really cool sequence. It shows that uh, Yusuke has really come a long way, and he's figured out a really interesting technique. 
Anyways, Team Macho is going to bring out their final fighter. This final fighter is going to turn out to um, be in cahoots with this guy who is bet on them. And the guy that bet on them has used his influence in order for Yusuke to be thrown out of the fight so that he can no longer fight because there is a 10 count that uh, was started too late on Yusuke when he fell out um, after using a spirit gun to explode himself and Jen and throws it, he threw himself on the ring. Um, yeah. They said that um, he actually lost his 10 count um it took him too long to get inside the ring and uh the announcer girl is just like that don't sing i don't think that that's right and also y'all tell me not to start my 10 count until i want to start it so that i can build up something so this seems like a dumb technicality yeah um, the, but there's because this huge, asshole has paid them off he yeah there's he a huge aspect of, there. of this tournament that is pain and suffering like the people in the audience want to watch people killed brutally they want people to suffer they want to see gore and violence because they are, you know, bloodthirsty demon people. And that is what they are all here for. The announcer lady is totally in on this. And part of her charm is that she frequently comments on how wonderful it is that someone's in great pain or something like that. And it's just a sort of like hilarious addition to something uh, by having this like weirdly biased narrator. So in this, she's going to specifically say that like, her directions are to often delay the start of the 10 count in order to allow agony to continue for the enjoyment of the crowd. So she is supposed to be the person in charge of the 10 count. Her word is supposed to be the final word on this. And she is doing it not only like she's always been doing it, but how she was told to do it. So they are definitely changing the rules to mess with Yusuke's team. And this is some bullshit. I like if I were betting with this dude, I would be like, I'm not giving you your fucking money. Like I can tell that you you twisted this contest to to fit your own ends. Yeah, you're but, he's uh, a total jackass. Yeah, they jackass. do this and now Yusuke is not able to fight and uh Hie and definitely not Genkai have been called out. Kurama is I think conscious now but is in no mood and uh Kuwabara is the only one left who literally cannot move without flinching and screaming and doubling over in pain because of his mad, bad injuries that were received in the previous round, which uh, if we didn't say yet was immediately before this round, because that's another way the deck is being stacked against them. Yeah. So the last two things that happen are that uh, Karama is uh, Kuwabara. I mean, is going to step into the ring. He is going to get into a fight. Um, and we have a character that we haven't seen in a long time step into the fray, and that is Yukina. Um, Yukina is an ice spiritual princess woman, um, and also Hiei's younger sister. Um, and Although she does she not is know going that. To be here for plot relevant reasons that we'll find out in maybe just next episode yeah uh, as soon as she showed up uh, like uh, this doesn't technically count as a spoiler uh it's more of a prediction that i am sure is correct because i have not seen the next episode but i just know that kuwabara is going to find out she's there gain strength from her presence because he's obsessed with her and win yeah there's going to be a truly amazing thing that happens with Kuwabara um, in a couple of fights um, inside of the Dark Tournament, and uh, we're going to get some of those soon. But anyways, uh, that's all we have to do for coverage of Yu Haka Show. Stick with us after these credits, and we'll talk about what's coming on next time. 
Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Greetings, anime fans. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the editor-in-chief for The Geekly Grind, a place where geeks can go to escape their weekly grind. We're coming up on our fifth year of operation, and to celebrate, we searched high and low for some of the coolest podcasts out there in order to create a new geek-centric podcast network. And what we found were three awesome shows that are sure to be a great addition to any geek's media menu. Of course, there's Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, which is this wonderful show, which features an additional episode weekly now to cover new anime and manga from our friends at Viz and Funimation. You can also dive into the world of comics with Comic Book Keepers, where Chris and Lance chew the fat about their favorite heroes, villains, and comic series, as well as the impact that comics can have on our lives. Finally, if you're seeking a fantastical and fun retreat, Knights of the Rolled Table is an engaging and family-friendly D&D adventure starring talented improv actors. With three fantastic podcasts on the books and more on the horizon, make sure to check out the Geekly Grind Podcast Network as well as our regular content at www.thegeeklygrind.com. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we have a very special crossover episode with Mother's Basement, where we watch Castle in the Sky. Yeah, Blake is totally not going to freak out. Shut right? up, you. you You're don't know totally me. not going to freak out, right? You don't know me. I swear to God.